Grace, greetings, church familia. This is Neil. I'm coming to you from my home office due to the fact that we are on a pandemic lockdown quarantine 2020. And it's been quite a ride. Before we get into the message, I just would like to say thank you to all the church people that have stayed connected and um, helpful. We have a great church family, one that prays and helps when they can. And so it's an honor to be able to minister and do life together here with you um, in the great state of California. So uh, for the time being, we are going to be doing our park and pray services, much like how we did on Easter. And we'll observe the same sort of uh, safe social distancing guidelines, which means the buildings will be closed to the public, no bathroom access, and we'll just stay in our cars. We'll take the first 15 minutes from 1045 to 11 to read some verses, and then from 11 to 15, pray in our cars, and then just wave goodbye on our way out. Uh, hopefully, Lord willing, May 17th, we'll reopen and uh, even though we're going to reopen, we will also be giving some guidelines as far as uh, being safe. You know, we'll we'll spread out the seating arrangements, uh, ask that people wear a face mask, um, things of that nature. And so we'll give you more details um, as that is also tentative. And then also don't forget about our Wednesday meetings on Zoom. If you do not have the Zoom app, um, it's free to install or to download on, you know, an iPad or some sort of smartphone. And then we can provide for you the link, which is exclusive to the church members. And so we'd love for you to just join through, a, you know, a video conference with us Wednesdays at seven. Also, don't forget about uh, Jerry's doing Facebook Live at 930 on Sunday mornings. And that um I think you could go back and rewatch that too. I just did that the other day. And so it doesn't have to be at that time, but if you want to catch it, catch it live, you can make comments in real time and, and things like that. Uh, also want to say goodbye to DM Brian. It's going to be sad to see them go, but they're going to hit the gospel trail and hopefully um, be safe on their journeys as we will be saying goodbye to our friends. Um, the Christian Nomad Gypsy Gospel Gang. Um, that's what we're calling them. No, I've just made that up. But they will be missed, and we hope to see them back here uh, soon. Um, today, I'd like to kind of just highlight four main thoughts through 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And I'm, not, I'm only going to read about 19 verses, uh, verses 3 through 22. But for the first section, I'm from verses three to six, I want to talk about the God of all comfort. And then from verses seven to 11, I want to highlight the idea that we need to trust in the Lord and not in ourselves. And then uh, section three, verses 12 through 14, that we are not only saved by the grace of God, but we live by the grace of God. And then lastly, the fourth point would be God is faithful and all the promises in Christ and in us because Christ is in us is yes. Yes. And so we could believe God. And so let's pray. And then we will look at these verses. Heavenly father, I pray that you would 
not only guide us through these verses, uh, and I know that you're guiding us as the good shepherd that you are, um, but Lord, that you would reveal to us that you are the Father of mercy, the God of all comfort. You are encouraging us. You are aiding us. You are consoling us. You are in this with us. So we might feel lonely at times, but we're never alone because in you are all the promises that are yes. And you said, you'll never leave us and you won't forsake us and you won't condemn us. And you're not going to kick us out of the family. And so Lord, remove the fear and replace it with faith as we look forward. Uh, and we, as we look unto you, the author and finisher of that faith. And I pray this in Jesus name. Amen. So let's look at verse three, second Corinthians one. If you have your Bible, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, consolation is going to be mentioned a few more times in these verses. So I just want to stop and mention what the word means. You probably already know what it means. It basically means encouragement, but it also means comfort, compassion, pity, solace, sympathy, alleviation, cheer, ease, easement, help, support fellow feeling. So he says that all, as all of these sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounds to you through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation. There's that word again, for your encouragement, for your alleviation, for your easement, for your support. Um, it is for your consolation and salvation and then he says, or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation. Um, so I want to, I want you to know that God has all the omni attributes. So the word omni means all, right? And you know, all the omni attributes, omniscient, omnipotent, um, omnipresent. But let, let's think about this in a little bit, because when we, when we, when we study God, because he's eternal, everything in him is eternal. So when he says he's the father of mercy, he owns mercy. He named it. He defined it. He created it. Mer we would not know mercy if it hadn't been birthed and had its genesis in God. He's the father of what we know as mercy. Now, if you only know mercy from a merciless father, you've learned mercy from the wrong source. It's the wrong father. So when you learn mercy as, as it's sourced from the father of mercy, then you will understand what mercy is. And here's the idea from these passages. He says, he's the God of all comfort and the father of mercy who comforts us in all our tribulation so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble or tribulation. So the idea is simple. Uh, you cannot give out what you have not received. If someone asks me for $100 and I've not received it and I don't have it, I can't give out what I don't have. So you look, we can't, 
the Bible says, forgive as you've been forgiven. But look, if you don't understand that you've been forgiven, you probably won't be a forgiver. You won't be forgiving. We relate to others the way we feel like God's relating to us. So if your view of God is condemning, critical, uncompassionate, unmerciful, unloving, unkind, all the things that kind of a religious view of God would portray, then you're only going to treat others in likewise. You know, Jesus says, go and do likewise. But what he, what did he demonstrate? Love, service, compassion, no condemnation. So he's the father of mercy, the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our tribulations so that we may be able to give out what we got from God. And so Christian, if you're going through trouble, if you're of need of comfort and encouragement and pity and solace and sympathy and alleviation and cheer and ease and easement and all that kind of stuff and consolation, go to the source, get it from God. He'll give it to you. And once you receive it, you'll be able to give it out. So I would just encourage you to go to the source. Now, the next thought here is from verses 7 to 11, trust in the Lord, not in ourselves. So he says in verse 7, and our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. There's that word again. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, or without knowledge, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia. And we'll read about some of those uh, missionary, uh, I guess, hardships. You could read about Paul's stints in Asia and other countries where he was always confronted uh, with trouble and persecution because he confronted others with Christ. So he says that we were burdened beyond measure above strength so that we despaired even of life. Yes, verse 9, we had the sentence of death in ourselves. That we, Here's the phrase. That we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Look, when Christ is all that you have, sometimes you realize Christ is all that you need. You know, when you're in a foxhole, which I've never been in, you know, a foxhole situation but when you're when your back's against the wall when the rugs pulled out when the lights turn off when you're on your deathbed when it's the 11th hour whatever the case might be what paul is sharing he says we despaired of life his life was going to be taken and he says so that we learn that we should not trust in ourselves but in god who raises the dead. You know what that tells me? Look, Paul eventually did lose his life in Rome, right? He eventually did. Extra biblically, we learned that he was beheaded. And even on his way to his beheading, it's said that he still led multiple people to Christ on the same day that he was executed. But it he was so motivated, not by the things which are seen, but the things that are unseen. He was motivated in the God who raises the dead. And so he wasn't praying that God would change his circumstances. He would just said, okay, Lord, you raise the dead. I don't want to trust in myself, my surroundings, what could be seen or my circumstances, but in the Savior. 
And then he says in verse 10, who delivered us from such great a death and does deliver us. And he knew that time and time again, he had been delivered, been delivered, been delivered, and whom we trust that he will still deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us. And that's wonderful too. I want to give a shout out to Rita and all the ladies that are involved in um, uh, our prayer ministry, uh, keeping people in the loop. It's so important so that we might pray. But it says that there was people that wouldn't jo- couldn't join him uh, in his missionary endeavor, but were helping together in prayer. And he's attributing the delivering to not only God, but to also those that were praying for him. That the thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. And I want to kind of flip over to 2 Corinthians 4 really quick, because... Even though he's mentioning in, in chapter 1 in Second Corinthians that they had the sentence of death upon themselves, I want you to look at his perspective of what his life being squeezed externally meant to the life internally and what that meant and what that looked like. So keep your place in chapter 1. We're in chapter 4 of Second Corinthians. And I just want to read to you a perspective When life around you is squeezing you, what comes out of us? Verse 7, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels in our body, this treasure. 2 Corinthians 9.15 says, but thanks be unto God, which gave us this unspeakable gift. So we have this treasure that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. Again, reiterating so that we might not trust in ourselves, but in God. He says, verse 8, but, but we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in and through our life. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake. <laughs> it's not... It's funny how people say for Christ's sake is a cursed word, but he's saying for Jesus' sake, for Christ's sake. This He says we were delivered for Jesus' sake that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh, our temporary body. The eternal life of Christ may be manifested through our temporary life in this body. So what he's saying is his take on persecutions and trials is so that Christ could be seen. So he says, he goes on verse 12. So then death is working in us, but life in you. So look, all this outward stuff is working. It's, it's getting death to us, but it's bringing life out of us. Verse 13 And since we have the same spirit of faith, according as it's written, I believe, therefore I spoke. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus uh, will also raise us up with Jesus and present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that grace, having spread through many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man, the the inward you that's sealed together with Christ is being renewed day by day. Then he says, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, 
our light affliction, which is only for a moment. Look, our COVID lockdown quarantine is only for a moment. And, you know, we have we have issues too. you know, maybe slow Internet, uh, long lines, uh, lack of, uh, of the abundance of toilet paper. I know we've got some real first world issues here, but it's real to us. And you know what? The same thing could happen. You could take a, a toilet paper shortage in someone's life and they'll get real spiritual, right? And so we might get real. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't have to be an extreme missionary persecution where you're thrown into a dark, damp dungeon with no lights and no food. And it doesn't have to be that way. It could be anything. Your affliction is your affliction. And I think what it does, no matter what it is, is it's it's the life that's coming at you out of you is designed to draw the life of Christ that's in you from you and through you. And he says it's just for a moment and it's working a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. And I love this. Yeah, I know you know this verse, but verse 18 of 2 Corinthians 4, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. And you know, the next chapter is the chapter where he says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And so we have this eternal perspective, right? This is terrible what we're going through. But in the grand scheme of things, our life is but a moment. It's but a vapor. It appears for a little while and then vanishes away. It's Psalm, I think, 90. It says, um, teach us to number our days, O God, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom because our life is like a tale that is told. And so as we consider, uh, you know, this current pandemic and what it's all about, I think it's it's causing us to realize that we have the father of mercy, the God of all comfort that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. And then this next section um, verse 12, if we go back to chapter 1 of Second Corinthians, for our boasting is this, the testimony of our conscience that we would con- uh, conducted ourselves in the world in simplicity and godly sincerity. <laughs> simplicity and godly sincerity. Not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God. Not with like human reason, um, our, our intellect, our traditions, uh, even by a majority vote, uh, but by the grace of God, by, the, by our faith in God, and more abundantly toward you. For we are not writing any other things to you than that uh, what you read and understand. Now I trust you will understand even to the end, as also you have understood us in part, that, that we are your boast as you are ours also. In the day of the Lord Jesus, Uh, you know, he had a great affinity and affection uh, towards these believers, even though these, this was the squirrely church. This was, (laughs) these were the, the bad Christians, so to speak, um, in behavior, not, not, uh, not in their identity, but in their activity. But he's trying to tell them, look, don't go by your fleshly wisdom, go by the grace of God. You know, in first Corinthians 15 and verse 10, um, let me turn there in first Corinthians fifteen ten, he says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. 
And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So he's he's saying kind of, he, he says it a lot. You're saved by grace, but we live by this grace. So don't live by human reasoning, by popular opinion, by politics, uh, by, you, you, we don't, that that's not our modus operandi. That's not our mode of operation. It's to get the mind of Christ, to let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ and be transformed. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then lastly, I'd like to say that God is faithful and all the promises in Christ in us are yes. So verses 15 through 22, and then we'll close this out. He says in first Corinthians chat or second Corinthians chapter one. And in this confidence, I intended to come to you before that you might have a second benefit to pass by the way to you, um, through Macedonia to come again from Macedonia to you and be helped by you on my way to Judea. Therefore, when I was planning this, uh, did I do it lightly, he's asking, or the things I plan, do I plan according to the flesh? Uh, that with me, there should be yes, yes, and no, no. Now, he's going to explain this a little bit because it gets kind of confusing what he's trying to say, but I think you'll get it. He's going to make the point that God isn't double-minded. His yes is a yes and his no is a no, but when it comes to his promises, they're all yes. He goes on to say, um, but as God is faithful, our word to you was not yes and no. Or like, eh, maybe, I don't know. <laughs> he says, for the, for the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, by me, Silvanius and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. I want you to get this. Verse 20, chapter 1, 2 Corinthians, verse 20. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him. Amen. Now that's cool in that all the promises of God in him, in Christ or in himself are yes. And then he says, he uses another pronoun, but it's a, it's a capitalized pronoun. So it's referring to deity, but he says for all the promises of God in him are yes. And in him, amen. Now you could take this, that prepositional phrase in different ways you know so in other words all the promises of god in him it could be in himself it could be in christ are yes all right okay so everything in god are yes and then he mentions that and in him amen so i look at it this way everything in god is true he's the father of mercies he's the god of all comfort shouldn't trust in ourselves, but in him, we're saved by grace. We live by grace. He's also called the God of all grace. Um, but in him is yes. And guess where the yes lives in us. And so when we read passages, like there is now, therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Well, yes, <laughs> He's in me. So these promises are yes for all the promises of God in Christ in us is yes. 
Am I going to be separated from God when I die for all of eternity? No. Am I going to be present with uh, God to be absent from my body and to be present with the Lord throughout all of eternity? Yes. 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 Um, am I righteous enough to get into heaven uh, on my own good achievement, my own good works? Nope. Nope. Am I righteous enough because Christ has gifted me and granted me his righteousness as a gift and qualified me for heaven? Yes. Yes. Will I see others that have died and gone on to be with the Lord in heaven? Yes. 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 Uh, will God ever kick me out of the family? No. Am I eternally in the family uh, of God? Yes. Yes. So all the promises of God. And look, you could do your own Bible study on this. Encourage yourself. Give, build yourself up. Give yourself consolation as where we started. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all of our tribulation um, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble. Look, we might be thinking like physical troubles, lack lack of supplies or lack of health. What about mental health? I think some of the most disturbed people are Christians who truly got born again and then the devil has come along and told them lies about the promises of God. Look, we might need to go back and remind ourselves about God's promises to us and in him there, yes. And when we get that comfort, when we get the comfort of the promises that are yes, maybe we could then go out and comfort other people who might be in, let's just say, spiritual tribulation. They're in like um, uh, spiritual affliction and the devil's harassing them. Their circumstances are making them interpret God in a way that's not true. And so, Christian, there's a lot of ways we could be discomforted, but there's a lot of ways we could be comforting to other people by just telling them who they are in Christ and telling them that in God, he's giving you thumbs up. He's, he's giving you the good to go status. Well, hopefully Christian, uh, let me, let me finish verses 21 and 22 and hopefully you, you're encouraged, but verse 21 that says now he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us is God. You thought that was exclusive to Kings and priests, but guess who you are? A King and a priest. Yes. Yes, you are. Read, read your Bible. That's who you are. Verse 22, who has also sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. It's a down payment. It's purchased. It's like it's non-refundable. So he sealed us. He saved us. And he's given us his spirit as a, as a guarantee. He's given us the comforter. Christian, hopefully you are comforted by this. And hopefully if you have received comfort, as this passage has said, maybe look for ways to be a comfort to others. Because look, no doubt the devil's having a heyday with people. Uh, you know, as depression's gone up, anxiety's gone up, fear's gone up, uncertainty's gone up. Let's, let's be the voice of comfort to those people who could be maybe struggling. 
in, you know, spiritual and emotional tribulation, not only physical tribulation, you know, uh, that's a reality too. Um, but let's just be on the lookout. Uh, will you pray with me? Lord, thank you for this time that we have uh, to gather around electronically and virtually. But I know that your word does not return back void. And so I trust in you and not in, not in anything that I have said, but I just trust in you, Lord, that you will uh, work out these truths into the hearts of your people and that you'd really be the Father of mercy and the God of all comfort to them so they could go and be um, a comfort and a display of your comfort to others around them. All right, grace and peace. See you soon. Bye.